When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Football Social Daily. The Premier League podcast. Welcome to Football Social Daily, an award-winning Premier League podcast. Today on the show, we'll talk about whether Mikel Arteta has his sights set on somewhere else. Yes, just a few days on from the bombshell announcement that Jurgen Klopp is leaving Liverpool, could another top-name manager be on his way out of the Premier League? We'll discuss that shortly. We'll also look at whether Marcus Rashford really is in the last-chance saloon at Manchester United. After missing the FA Cup game at the weekend with illness, it's since been confirmed that he was indeed partying the night away. We'll also discuss that on today's show, Football Social Daily, with me, Niall, Joel Tudor, and Marley Anderson. How are you doing, boys? Morning. Yes, not, not too bad. Good morning, good morning. Joel, your suspicions were right. Marcus Rashford. You know when someone's been on the lash, don't you? You know that you know the signs <laughs> are there. You can see it all. You can see it from Tenno's comments on the uh on the conference just before it's all confirmed. Two weeks fined. I mean, how much is that for two weeks fine wage? It's probably about six hundred thousand pounds or something. Is it was it really worth the double vodka and Red Bull for that? <laughs> It's the most expensive double vodka Red Bull you'll ever have in your you could life. Almost, you could almost get a pint in Dublin for that. You might as well have went there. <laughs> if you're going to not turn up for work, you may as well just go full Amir Zaki. Just yeah. go AWOL. Or at least at least enjoy yourself a bit more. That if you know that night is going to cost you £600,000. Take the week. Oh, yeah. Go for if it. You go, if you're going to get fined two weeks wages, have a two-week <laughs> A friend of mine works in professional darts. And I went to this exhibition and he was like, do you want to come out for a drink after the after the show? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Came out for a drink and we ended up in this nightclub with all of the darts players. Oh, here we go. And Michael Van Gerwen was there. 
the man, let's just say, did not hold back on his spending that night. He wasn't going for the five pound double vodka and cokes. Put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> he was uh, he was being very generous. Walking around with bottles of Chirac and all sorts of stuff. I think Belvedere it was in the end. Actually, yeah, it doesn't give was, you hangovers. He... Apparently, Belvedere. I can't afford it, so I I have the uh, the one that just ruins you the next few days. But apparently, the the more more you spend, the less hangover you have because it's, <laughs> it's all filtered. I can still remember it a few years on. So obviously, maybe that's maybe that's true, Marley. Maybe that's true. That's why. That's but why. yeah, we'll talk about Marcus Rashford shortly in a bit more detail on today's Football Social Daily. Welcome to the podcast. Hit subscribe or follow if you've never joined us before, and that way you'll never miss an episode again. But what we should start today's podcast with is the news that broke yesterday, which was more of a rumour, I would say, than actual concrete news. And that's that Mikel Arteta is of interest to Barcelona. We know that the Spanish giants are saying goodbye to Xavi, their legendary player turned manager. I think at the end of the season, it's been agreed by all parties, the manager and the club, that it's best for him to move on from the camp now. So naturally, they're going to look for a replacement. And Mikel Arteta's name has cropped up in conversation. What do you make of this one, Joel? Is this something with legs in your opinion or do you think it's all hot air I was interested to see Arteta's reaction in his press conference when someone brought it up and his quotes were quite I would say firm where he said I couldn't believe it I've got a strong connection with the board people need to be careful when they start talking about people's personal lives it's absolutely not true and I think that's the only thing you could have said I mean when you're in a club that's going for the title things are going well at Arsenal you're not going to start flirting with the Barcelona job. I mean, if anything, it's Barcelona that needs to start flirting with other managers. They're not the prettiest chick in the club right now. They're the ones who actually kind of need a little bit of leverage and pulling power because they're not quite the they're not quite the star attraction they once were, let's say five to ten years ago, where everyone would be jumping for it. If anyone saw Xavi's quotes midweek when he was explaining why he's actually wanting to leave, he's talking about things about mental health and the fact that the media literally crucify you no matter what and it literally sounded like he was a guy who no matter what he could do even if he he said even if he won the Champions League this season he will not remain because it's just so intense the scrutiny and I think any manager would be stupid right now to go to Barcelona with the way they're run under Laporta and his regime and I think for Mikel Arteta you know what I never thought I'd say this, but I think he is actually at the right club when you're comparing Arsenal to Barcelona at the moment. Barcelona are not not a club that are going in the right trajectory. It feels like a club that's going to take a cleansing. It needs a real cleansing from back to front in terms of the finances, in terms of, you know, getting La Masia back up to scratch again, bringing through the youth again. And it just seems to me like for Arteta at Arsenal, with what he's got going, he's probably thinking in his mind, why would I jump ship now when in the next year you've got Jurgen Klopp leaving? So that's one less contender to probably deal with. I don't know if Alonso or whoever else might bring Liverpool back up again. But he'll have even more of a chance to go for it next season and then the season after that. But I think we're all naive to think that a Spaniard is not going to be tempted by Barcelona, which is the biggest caveat. I mean, they can all say, I don't want to go, I'm at the right club, but... It's like us when we were kids, let's say we worked in Spain or played for a Spanish football club and then one of the biggest clubs in England come and try and sign you. It's like, it, it turns your head, doesn't it? It's naturally going to turn your head. But I think for now, he'd be stupid and I think he's, he's behaved in the right way in that press conference to just completely bite off because it's, it is nonsense at this stage of the season. Joel used the word nonsense there. 
Marley. And it's weird because this news kind of exploded out of nowhere and was very quickly refuted by some of the biggest news sources in the country. Are you in the same camp as Joel? Do you think this is maybe just something to try and generate a few headlines in the final days of the transfer window? Not that it matters with managers, of course. Yeah, um, it could be. I mean, it, it, it has been pretty slow this January. Not much, um, not much happening. Um, maybe it's a reaction to the um, to the Klopp news as well. The fact that the Klopp leaving Liverpool thing was so quiet and nobody seen it coming for what was apparently two and a half months. You know, I think he he said he um, he, he spoke to Liverpool in November, um, and we didn't find out till the end of January. So. Maybe it's the um, maybe it's the press going. We're not missing out on another one. Let's just spread some, throw some mud at the wall and see what sticks, type of thing. Um, but I do think there's um, there's I think there's logic to this to this move. Um, you know, Arteta came came through at Barcelona, never never quite made the grade and didn't play many games for them before he ended up leaving. And I think he went to PSG and then and then on to Rangers and then to England with Everton and. Um, and Arsenal in the end, but I think there's a there's a definite temptation. Um, and if if there's frustration set in at Arsenal, and if he can't win the league, I wonder if he will be tempted. Like I think if City run away with the league and Liverpool challenge them and Arsenal fall away this season, I wonder what that temptation is going to be like. Because I I got a feeling it'll be pretty big. Um, and I think Arteta would be up there as probably the number one choice for Barcelona. They always like to um, appoint people that are connected with the club. Um, and if you look at that, you look around the um, the sort of landscape of football right now, it's a pretty small pond to go fishing in. Um, so Arteta is probably top of the class in, in that term, that sort of um, approach to things. So, I think he'd be interested, but it's just timing because as a, when I was talking about Newcastle the other day and I was saying about timing your run for the Premier League, you can't just compete at any point. I think Arsenal are timing their run quite well. They're, they're competing. They competed last season. They got close. They'll compete very well again this season. Um, with Klopp leaving next season, they're probably in a an even stronger position because Liverpool might slip off slightly. Um, and you're not far off Pep. Um, leaving Man City, I, I would would assume I'd, I'd say, you know, Pep doesn't stay too many places for too long. He's he's given City more years than anyone, um, but I can't see him lasting another five years. I can see him calling this contract his last one and and calling it a day in twenty twenty five, twenty six maybe, um, and then Arteta's had, in theory, had a few years of being the best of the rest. Um, and then taking up that mantle if City do drop off slightly when when Pep leaves, if that happens. So it's um, it's not straightforward, but I think he'd be tempted by both really. So it just it depends on what he's being promised by Arsenal and whether and how close he truly thinks they are. Because if he doesn't think they're truly close, Barcelona is very very tempting for a guy who is you know Spanish, played for the club. And it's, you know, probably the biggest job in world football or as big as any other. At risk of sounding a little bit incendiary here, Joel, tell me why Barcelona would be interested in Mikel Arteta from a purely managerial perspective. Well, I think to Barcelona, it's a little bit different, isn't it, in the way they go about their managerial search? Because if you think when Guardiola took over there, he was managing the youth team. He never managed professionally anywhere else. 
Then you look at Luis Enrique, who came in afterwards, came through from the ranks there. And then, of course, Xavi, former player, he'd managed in, I think it was Qatar just before that. These are managers who haven't had, of course, good um, top, top managers, especially Luis Enrique and Guardiola, but they hadn't had any professional proper experience. So for Barcelona, they're purely looking at who knows our club, like who knows how it's run. Frank Rijkaard was the best one. He went from Sparta, I've just had to Google this, I can't remember this, but he went from Sparta Rotterdam to Barcelona. And you remember the, the team he had, like the team he got trusted with, he went from Sparta Rotterdam to like Messi, Eto, Julie, Henri and all these people. But you know what, that's an interesting concept in itself. It seems to work more in other countries, players that were absolutely class going to manage a top club. Whereas what we've seen in this country, Wayne Rooney's a failure as a manager, Frank Lampard, Steven Gerrard. So we're talking some class players that haven't made it as a manager, but yet you look at La Liga and Zidane managed to do it with Real Madrid. Luis Enrique, again, a good example, Joel. It seems like they have more success with their former players in management than we see in the Premier League. I think it's just because... From like the documentaries that I've seen and from the interviews that I've seen about Real Madrid and Barcelona, because obviously they're run by the socios, aren't they? And they have the president and they vote him in and that kind of thing. It's a very different kind of power um, and who possesses the power in those kinds of clubs. And that's why I think it's so important for any manager to come in. They need, they need to truly understand what they're getting into and how to control that. Because even Gareth Bale, he did a... Uh, an interview recently where he got asked, you know, what advice would you give to Jude Bellingham going into Real Madrid? And he said, you need to play to the press. You literally need to pretend and play to the games that they're playing. It's a different kind of environment. It's almost like a pantomime. If you remember when Jose Mourinho was at um, Real Madrid and Guardiola was at Barca, I think Jose Mourinho fit in at Real Madrid so well because he was he was as big as the institution. He could play to it, the theatrics. That's what they wanted from a manager. Any manager who's gone in there and almost shrank to that pressure and the, the media scrutiny that out the door the next season. I remember Rafa Benitez when he was at Real Madrid, completely failed. They went through about five different managers uh, during the 2000s because they just couldn't find someone who understood the Galactico mentality. And I think it's very similar with Barcelona where all these managers like Guardiola, Luis Enrique, Xavi, all come through La Masia. They understand the system. They understand the players that are coming through, how they want them to play. I think it's very similar to Ajax. I think that's why they have such a close link with Ajax because Ajax are very similar. They, they very rarely hire someone externally. There's always someone who's come through the ranks at Ajax. They know how they want to play. They know the DNA of the club and then they promote them to the first team. And it seems to work generally, to be honest. But at English clubs, I don't know if it's be, I don't know if it's because of the fact that these English managers are just not as good as their counterparts in these countries. I don't know if it's because the academies and what they're teaching aren't as good, maybe in terms of coaching. I don't know what it is, but I think there's just such a deeply ingrained culture in Real Madrid and Barcelona. You can also say Athletic Bilbao as well, who don't sign anyone who's not who's not Basque. They're very deeply cultural clubs where very few can understand it I think this might be controversial but Zinedine Zidane sounds mad because he won so much and I don't want to sit here and say it was a fluke so why why, why is it that Zinedine Zidane can rock up to Real Madrid and win multiple Champions Leagues with no prior experience why, why can't Lampard go into Chelsea he did it as a player Zidane just seemed to walk into the Bernabeu and win everything <laughs> how did he do that I, I just think it's a talent thing you see in the squad that Zidane walked into and it was just a case of getting them getting the respect and getting them to play for you. Um, there wasn't much... 
tactics needed. It's just give it like we've got Ronaldo, we've got Ramos, we've got Varane, we've got you know the best squad in the world. Bale, you know, Bale was sitting on the bench for some of it just because he refused to speak in, uh, speak Spanish and went and played golf every half an hour. But and it, well, it was different with Chelsea with Lampard. He had to go and teach him how to play um, a little bit more. Have trust his tactics a little bit more. And Gerard at Villa, you know, as good as John McGinn is, you need to you need to go and put some tactics on that board and not just say, right, go out and win the game. Like Real Madrid, similarly with Ancelotti now, like I don't, I'm not sure Ancelotti is, um, I think he's, he's, he's said quotes recently where um, he doesn't tell them what to do. He's like, I can't teach Cristiano Ronaldo how to take a free kick. I can't teach Vinicius how to dribble. I just put them on the pitch and trust they can do it and I'm there for them if they need them type of thing. Like, I guess what we're saying now, we're down a rabbit hole here. We're supposed to be talking about Arteta, but let's roll with it. The clear differences between a manager and a head coach. Maybe. I don't know if it's quite as black and white as that. I think it's more about the character of, of the manager and the age he is type of thing. I think as you get older, it's about respect, the instant respect you you grab as as a player. Like, for example, obviously we're going to go from Carlo Ancelotti and whoever to a good example I think is Neil Warnock when he goes when he goes into a championship club and he walks through them doors immediately he gets way more out of what they did than previous managers and that is on respect of what he's done in the game I think it's similar if Ancelotti walked through your door he might not come up with these revolutionary tactics because he's you know pushing 70 and you know he's he's not exactly gonna teach you how to counter press like uh Pep Guardiola would or come up with a system where you, your fullbacks actually create you know extra centre midfielders and sort of these weird systems he's going to put you on a pitch and say you're all good enough and get you believing in yourself to go through a wall for him you know the proverbial run through brick walls for him type of thing and then if you've got the talent the talent will show through um, whereas new managers coming into the game they have to earn that respect Arteta has to go into Arsenal on the back of being hyped at Man City and show the Arsenal squad why he was hyped at Man City and come up with all these drills and and ways of playing and philosophies and all the rest of it to get Arsenal close to the top of the league. Not necessarily win the league, but show the players enough so that they buy into his system. And I think when you look at like Lampard and Gerrard and Thierry Henry is another good example, they just get frustrated that the players aren't as good as them. The players aren't as good as what I was. You see, there's a great clip of Thierry Henry, Henry managing Montreal, um, and he's he's not mic'd up, but you can hear him on the on the touchline mics, and he's saying things, and it's just it's so. What's what's the word when you you talk down to someone? Patronizing. Patch. That's the word. Patronizing. And he was he was saying like this clip is like, he's on the touchline and he's saying like, I forget the guy's name, but let's say it's Gabriel. He's like, Gabriel, can you get the ball? And the kid's like, yeah. And he's like, can you turn? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, why don't you do it? And it's like, that is not going to get him playing for you long term. He's just frustrated that Henri could, could do that. But this guy can't because he plays for Montreal in the MLS. He wasn't as, he's not as good as you. So there's, it's. I think it's just all different types of of stages where you're at in your career type of thing. And, you know, some people, you, you get to a point where you either have the respect or you don't. And if if you get to your later point in your career and you lose that respect of of the players because your methods aren't working, 
you know, that's when you're in trouble. Like you look at, second time this week, I mentioned it, but you look at Steve Bruce and when he walks into the, the, a club, people go, he's filled at his last five clubs. Let's see what his training's like. And his training is apparently just non-existent because he wants you to just have that respect and run through walls for him. But his tactics don't back it up. But he hasn't got the respect to not have the tactics. If that makes sense. So it's a weird like medium. Um, but Zidane had you know eleven world beaters, so it's just put them on the pitch and go and play with them. Yeah, I was probably being a little bit flippant with that Zidane comment. It's a good point. He d- he never needs to work again. And it doesn't look like he, f- he particularly fancies it. I think he knows if he goes to another club, the chances of him being successful are far slimmer than they were at Real Madrid that time that he was there. Yeah, if you look at, I mean, the best example, look at Luis Enrique when he won that Champions League in 2015 with Neymar, Suarez and Messi. Every other, look at every other job he's been at since then. It's been nowhere near that kind of season because it helps to have one of the best players of all time, one of the best strikers of all time, and then another one of the best wingers of all time, alongside two of the best midfielders of all time in Xavi and Iniesta, one of the best holding midfielders. Like, you see what I mean? When you're equipped with the right tools, I don't... I feel like I don't want to be kind of like reductionist and say, oh, all you have to do is just be in the dressing room and kind of tell them to go and play. Of course, they have a bit of tactical nous, which is why Zidane deserves a lot of credit for bringing the Champions League, helping them to three in a row, which is not easy at all. I mean, Guardiola couldn't do it at Barcelona. Jose Mourinho couldn't do it. No, None of these top managers have done it. So they deserve massive credit. But when you're walking into a team with a generational player, and midfielders that will probably never be replicated again, like Luka Modric, like Tony Crows, like Xavi Iniesta. I mean, I feel like we could probably have a go at the league with these kinds of players. You've always done a great job at shutting me down on today's podcast, honestly. <laughs> I was only trying to raise a point, and now you made me feel stupid for even asking the question. No, but, no, but, no, but it's, it's, it's a really good point because I feel like sometimes people might look at Zidane and, and think... Yeah, but you had all these amazing plays at your disposal. But let's not forget, he was against some incredible teams during that period and he still had to take them over the line still. I mean, I've watched videos of him at halftime during that Champions League final against Juventus and it actually gave me goosebumps with the way in which he was just giving them talks and getting the confidence into them. I feel like with egos at Real Madrid, sometimes that is what it all it takes. But don't you think it's rare to have someone who was a world-class player to then become a world-class manager. Jose Mourinho was a translator. Was he not a goalkeeper coach at one stage yeah, as well? He was barely or something even a top-level like player, but he, he had the brains. This is the difference. Ancelotti had a great career, but had a better career as a manager and still is having. I think it's, tu- I think it's a lot of the time tuition though, isn't it? Because when you look at Xabi Alonso, I think every person knew he was going to be a good manager because he's literally worked under the best in every country. But I think you've noticed... He, you, a lot of managers pick up on it where they say, we know which of my players will be a top manager. But Xabi Alonso's right at the start. He might be, he might bottle the Bundesliga. He might go to Liverpool and absolutely fail. I'm talking about m- players that were world-class that have turned into top managers that very rarely fail. You just don't see it. For instance, Eddie Howe was a bang average football league player, right? Played in League Two for Bournemouth most of his career. One of the best managers that England have produced in the last 20 odd years. You know what though? I feel like a lot of a lot of managers say that they know which players were going to become good managers because I remember I can't remember which manager it was who managed Guardiola when he was playing. But he even said that at 25 he knew that Guardiola was going to be a manager because he was always insistently taking notes, looking at tactics. I feel like with a lot of these top English players in the game, they think that once they retire, they can walk into any job and just kind of command it. 
Whereas I feel like the likes of Xabi Alonso and these players, and yeah, maybe you're right now, he might actually not be a great coach, but odds are he probably will be because of the the managers that he's been under, the countries he's played in, and he probably actually loved coaching when he was like 26. And he actually enjoyed learning about tactics and that kind of thing. So it's it'd be an interesting one, but it's, it's, it's strange how so many of the top, top players, they just can't translate what they know into a younger group. I mean, you probably, I mean, if you put Zidane into like, Tottenham, for example, he probably wouldn't have the same success because he's not got some of the best players at his disposal. He'll still do a good job, but you're only as good as your team sometimes. And then whatever, how good you are as a coach then takes that to the next level, which is what we saw with some of the managers we mentioned. Yeah, we are seeing managers get younger and younger with varying degrees of success. But I think it's been a really interesting conversation about that. Amidst the rumours that Mikel Arteta is of interest to Barcelona, heavily refuted by multiple sources, I don't personally think we'll be seeing the back of Arteta in the Premier League anytime soon. Next on Football Social Daily, we'll talk about Marcus Rashford, who has been dealt with internally after missing training last week. We'll discuss it next. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered ChompaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Football Social Daily. Welcome back. An award-winning Premier League podcast, which you can listen to every episode of by hitting subscribe or follow. So make sure you do that. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review as well. You can also keep in touch with us via our social media channels. Links to those are in the description. And there's a link to the Telegram group there as well. It's basically like a WhatsApp group chat. It's free to join. Loads of discussion about the Premier League in there with people from all corners of the globe. So make sure you go and hit that link to join that. Now, though, we're going to talk about Marcus Rashford, as Manchester United say that the forwards disciplinary matter is now closed. Rashford was reportedly seen in a nightclub in Northern Ireland on Wednesday and Thursday night. He then missed training on Friday at Carrington after reporting ill and then was left out of Eric Ten Hag's squad on Sunday in the FA Cup win over League Two, Newport County. United released a statement which said, this has been dealt with as an internal disciplinary matter, which is now closed, and Rashford has returned to training. 
We mentioned it yesterday that you don't want to get on the wrong side of Eric Ten Hag because of the way he's dealt with the likes of Sancho and Ronaldo. And if you get in his bad books, it's very difficult to get out again. This isn't the first time Marcus Rashford has had what the club have described as a disciplinary matter in the last couple of years. Do you think this is nipped in the bud? Do you think this has been dealt with accordingly, appropriately? Or do you think this will have lasting effects? It's purely up to him, to be honest. His, lit- his career is in his hands in terms of how high he wants to take it. And we saw it last year with the ceiling that he could have. I mean, last season when he got the 30 goals, I was thinking this season he could easily reach 40. That's how good he was last season. And the fact that he's now not even into double figures yet and we're already over half the season, it just takes me back to when football players decide they actually really want to be the best in the world. It's actually quite clear now why these guys separate themselves from the rest. And it's just small incidences like this where if you've ever heard of interviews from, for example, Kobe Bryant or LeBron James or Ronaldo or Messi, and you start to really understand why they made it to the level that they actually made it at. It's because these little incidences like sacrificing going on a night out and not turning up late for training and starting at 6am practicing your shooting or whatever. These are the things that actually generate them from being good to world beaters. And I feel like with Rashford, he'll always have a ceiling over his head because I just, of course, I don't want to question how much he wants it because he's already a great level. But in terms of what he could be, it's almost like that conversation that Jose Mourinho had with Deli Ali, and I'm not comparing Rashford with Deli Ali because Rashford is realizing his potential, but I don't think he's going to realize his absolute potential of what he could be because we had a flash of it last season, and I just think that maybe mentally he struggles with maintaining the pressure and the expectation and the confidence that you need to maintain that level. And I've just seen reports come out recently from just from the Telegraph this morning that Ten Hag is almost struggling with Rashford in terms of his expectations of him or there's a little bit of a drift. And I really hope that isn't the case because like I say, it, his Marcus Rashford's potential and level is in his hands. It's up to him how high he goes. So I really hope he doesn't throw that away because he's, he's coming into the peak of his powers now. Is this just a moment of naivety for Marcus Rashford? Marley. Gary Neville's been commenting on this. He says players deserve to be able to go out and enjoy themselves, wind down and relax. And I totally agree. But picking your moments to do that is essential. Rashford was out Wednesday and Thursday, missed training because he was ill on Friday. Now, we joked yesterday that that might be because he had a hangover after being pitched in a nightclub. He might well have been dry that night. He might not have had any drink at all. He might have legitimately been ill. But was it naive from Rashford to put himself in that situation in the first place? Yeah, it's um, it's stupid all around, really. I think everyone's been struggling with, with bugs and illnesses around this time of year. I think everybody has had a cough or sickness or something at this point. So it's almost like if he was ill, everyone would just believe you. But don't come get pictured in a, in a nightclub. It's just... It's, compl- it's naive. It, it's beyond naive. It's just flat-out stupid, I, I think. Um, he's not he's not young anymore. He's twenty four, I think. What? He's twenty six. Oh well, that amplifies my point even more. He's twenty six. He's daft. Like you can't you can't be doing this. You can't just be flying off to. I know I know your downtime's your downtime, but your downtime isn't your downtime when you should be training the next day and you miss it. Like if I if I went out on the on the BS tonight and miss work tomorrow, I'd wake up to a disciplinary and that's absolutely fine. Um, you know, you, you take that. 
Wouldn't be the first time, would it, Marley? <laughs> <laughs> you no, never joking. know. No comment on that one. Um, but it's, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's daft. And it's not the first time he's clashed with Ten Hag, which makes me think, as I said on yesterday's pod, that he's just, the relationship there is already damaged because you wouldn't fly to Belfast if you had maximum respect for that for that manager. So I had a caveat of this. He did go for a children's kind of football event. So obviously... Yeah, he went, he went for a... You're right, yeah. He didn't go just to get... To get bladders. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. then obviously in the night time, he's thought, well, may as, go, may as well go and see where the best G is in Belfast. And <laughs> clearly went and found himself in a nightclub. <laughs> Got pictured there. He needs to hire a, um, a lookalike... And just be like, ah, wasn't me. Remember in the 90s when everyone used to have lookalikes? People used to make a living off looking like someone. Rashford needs to employ one of them. And just be like, no, I wasn't in the club. It was it was my lookalike. But in the 90s, unless you were carrying a, a Kodak around with you or a Polaroid around with you, there's no way that anyone would know that Marcus Rashford was in the nightclub at that time. You'd see the flash go off from a distance and the guy winding it up for another one. Yeah, and he'd have to send it off to get it developed, by which time Marcus Rashford's back in the squad anyway, so it wouldn't have made a difference. <laughs> have to wait his 28 days to get his photo film developed. Whereas now, with social media and with smartphones... God damn these smartphones. Yeah, well, being a footballer is different to what it used to be back in the day, Joel. Well, when we had Brian McClare on the podcast, he even spoke about how Sir Alex Ferguson was going out grabbing the youth plays from clubs... Whenever he heard yeah, he, that he said out. he had the bounces on the payroll, didn't he? Some of them. <laughs> See what I mean? But you know what, though? I understand that now because if the guys go down that path of not making sacrifice and playing at the and trying to be at the top level, you're never going to make it or you're never going to maintain the level needed to play for such a club. So it is more naive now than ever because, like you've both just mentioned, anyone can pull a camera out. And if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, regardless of if you've had a drink, if you're pictured somewhere that you shouldn't be and it's also influencing the fact that you can't go training, well, then it's totally on you, isn't it? But like Marley just said, and it's a good point as well, would he have done that? And would he have been so naive if he was under a manager that he probably respected a bit more, someone who commanded respect? And that's where we go back to the point of Zinedine Zidane, for example. Because he commands such respect, would he ever have that issue with disciplinary? Because you kind of want to, you're desperate to want to play for him and prove him, prove that you're the man for the job. And a lot of the pundits have mentioned how Rashford should be the man at the top of the club now. He should be the one leading the line. And when you've got someone like that doing, you know, I 100% agree with Gary Neville. They're entitled to go out and do what they want. But if it's influencing your career and it's influencing the fact you can't train... It's a problem, isn't it? If he if he had trained on Friday, and even if he'd played terribly on the Sunday, and we found out that he was in a uh, a nightclub on the Wednesday and and or the Thursday, and we were talking about it now, I'd be like, it doesn't matter because he was still at training. Does even if he had to be dragged in out of his Ferrari by a, a by a, a a friend or a colleague, it, as long as he's at training, it doesn't matter. The problem isn't isn't being in a nightclub. He well, as Niall said before, he might well have been completely dry that week, that um, night, and not had a drink or had a zero percent lager or whatever, whatever he wanted. But as long if you as soon as you miss training, that's that's it. That's when you've got a genuine 
you know, you've caused yourself a problem that was very, very easily avoidable. Well, Marcus Rashford's internal disciplinary matter has been dealt with, say Manchester United. And that's it for today's Football Social Daily. We'll be back again tomorrow with more. The transfer window deadline, I think, is on the 1st of February. So there's still two days left, but it's been dead slow. Maybe on Thursdays when all of the action will happen. Whatever happens, we'll talk about it, I'm sure, with all of the big transfer talking points on this podcast. So hit subscribe or follow and you'll never miss it. But from Marley Joel and myself, that's it for another Football Social Daily. We'll speak to you tomorrow. Football Social Daily is a VoiceWork Sport production for the Sports Social Podcast Network. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.